This is Winning with ADHD, a podcast for parents to empower students. Build up your ADHD teens so that they recognize their own talents, creativity, and uniqueness. Get tips and tricks to help overcome executive functioning challenges. Listen to stories and experiences of what worked and what did not. Together, let's find ways to build your child's self-esteem and start winning with ADHD. And now, here's your host, Heather Walker. Welcome to the Winning with ADHD podcast. I'm Heather Walker, and today I'm very excited to have a conversation with Dr. Mary Wild. She is an integrative pediatric physician focusing on children with ADHD and anxiety. She is also a mother to eight boys. Dr. Wild owns a a practice, Imagine Pediatrics, Behavioral Health and Wellness in St. George, Utah, and also has a strong online presence with her podcast, Compassionate Parenting, several eBooks and an online parenting course that can be found at drmarywild.com. So welcome, Dr. Wild. I'm excited to have you today. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. I'd love that you focus on parenting and many of your resources in addition to um, your resources regarding children. Um, as my daughters were younger and I was trying to find out what do I do as a parent? How do I help my child be successful? How do I be successful as a parent? I found a lot of the resources I felt like were focused on the child. And it's been kind of refreshing to find that you also have resources surrounding the parent. So my first question for you today is, is that as you focus on children as a pediatrician, Um, Tell us more about why so many of your resources focus on the parent. Sure. I just feel like as much as I can do in the visit that I have with the child and as much information I can give about, you know, different tips and resources, that's all well and good. But you as the parents, you're the frontline workers. You are the ones who are having to be there at the crossroads and at the sidelines and the front lines as the homework is being completed as you know the emotions are being dealt with as the relationships are being ferreted out and and so you i i want to support you as the parent because you're the one who as exhausting as it might be are the ones who actually enact most of the intervention that's so true and i am I have a daughter that is 16. She is um, our oldest child, but also our one that exhibits um, more traits of ADHD than our other children and also with anxiety as well. And so with being a new parent and trying to figure out how to handle you know, um, her as a toddler and then as entering school and then as starting middle school, like each of those different stages, I feel like as a parent, you're almost starting over again and again. And mm-hmm. having somebody who can help support and provide those, you know, maybe even just the tips of cheering you on to say, you've got this. I know this is hard. I think is super helpful as you're navigating all of these different pieces. One of the things that I've learned recently, um, well, not recently, I think it kind of more just became, I noticed it more is that when I showed up in a more loving and compassionate way that my daughter responded differently versus when I also kind of escalated the situation by being emotional as well. So when we create a loving and compassionate environment for our children, 
it allows them to feel safe and learn. What are some of your top tips to recommend for a parent as they work to try creating this environment? I think one of the first things I'd say is working on yourself and the way you show up. And recently I had the opportunity to give a TEDx talk on parenting and really what I chose to talk about, I had you know 15 minutes to tell the world <laughs> what I thought was the core, the most important thing to focus on as a parent. And what I really feel like it is, is developing this state of grounded loving presence that can you know set you up to be steady to help your kids weather the storms that are coming and that they're in the midst of and all those other things that we do as parents you know trying to get our kids to be successful trying to get them in the right activities trying to help them learn skills trying to help them you know do the things that's all secondary to how we show up and um so I think yeah. I'd love on, to add to that is yeah. one thing that I've noticed is is that when you like just what you said, when you focus on this loving environment and that maybe even that there's this relationship that's being built. And you said these other pieces are secondary, but what I've noticed with my daughter over the last year, um, where we've really focused on this even more deliberately, is that those things just naturally follow, which they, they fall into place. Definitely, because when we're trying to work from the outside in, we're just in caught in this spin and scramble. But when we start from the inside and work out, there's this solidness, this peacefulness, and the other things just naturally fall into place much more easily. Not like automatically, but you're just in a state where you can handle things, where you have good perspective, where you're in the right frame of mind to make wise decisions as a parent. And that's much different from survival mode, reactive parenting, which is a place most of us get caught in at times. So the first thing, you know, to answer your question is developing this grounded, loving presence yourself. Um, and that's something that I help people do in my Compassion Parenting membership as well, just to learn like, well, how do you, develop that. So yeah, that's great, but how? So that's what we work together to do. Um, the next thing I would say is really being aware of what I call matched environments and mismatched environments. So kids with ADHD often are put in situations where over and over and over again, they're asked to do things that do not necessarily come easy for them and put them in the position of feeling like they're failing and feeling in trouble over and over again. And that really can wear down our kids' sense of self-efficacy and self-worth. Um, I remember when my son, who is now grown, um, when he was in second grade, um, he had a really hard year. And as I watched him go through this year, I just saw him deflate. You know, he just became a little more turned inward. 
he just seemed more sad. He was more likely to have emotional outbursts. Um, and he was just constantly getting in trouble at school. And his teacher would try to do things that were very ineffective, like saying, well, you know, your son was being disruptive, so I'm going to have him sit with his back to the wall at recess. <laughs> right. And, you know, so definitely as a mom, I had to, you know, go in and say, that is not going to be the intervention to use because he needs to move, you know, so, but at that time, I had just had a baby. I had never homeschooled before, but I kind of felt like I have to get my son out of this environment. This is such a mismatched environment that it's affecting, you know, how he feels about himself and how he can show up and just his daily experience. And, um, but I really wasn't in the position to solve it right then, but I did pull him out and do homeschool the following year. And I watched as I did that repair work and, you know, he was sitting and just comfortably like reading a book on the couch and playing with his little brothers and, and he was happy again. And then when he went back to regular school in fourth grade, his teacher was like, wow, he can do anything. I, I think we need to sign him up for the, for the gifted program, you know, whereas the teacher before was saying, I'm kind of concerned about him, you know, right. is, yeah. you know, below level on this, he's below level on that. And, and, and I knew his potential and I knew that he was very capable, but he was in this environment where he couldn't thrive. So, you know, sometimes school is that mismatched environment it's, and it's not like mismatched environments are always bad because they actually, when we're in them, sometimes they actually help us grow and learn skills that are difficult for us, but, but we have to balance them. So our kids are also in places where they're celebrated. Um, sometimes our own home is a mismatched environment. Like we each have our own, um, threshold for the amount of order or disorder we kind of require to, yes. to, feel, <laughs> to feel okay about things. And, and sometimes as a parent, we are much more orderly in our thinking than our child is and, and in how we like our environment. So then we just have to be aware of that, that, you know, they need other places where they can, where they can be celebrated and we have to work to, to see the good and celebrate. So, as um, a, a young child, I grew up in a less orderly environment and I am more of a go with the flow person. I can tolerate quite a bit of chaos. And, um, <laughs> and I think, you know, as parents, sometimes we feel like, um, you know, maybe we too are a little less orderly and we think, did I cause this? You know, is it because of me that my child can't get their thoughts together, that they can't be on time for things, that they can't keep their homework, you know, up to par. But um, it's interesting because, you know, that's maybe a matched environment where we're all kind of struggling with the same things. And then we sometimes need to, it's a matched environment, but we also have to reach outward to maybe get some external perspective to say, okay, what can we all work on to develop 
so we can all kind of rise together because the skill of being able to be orderly and focused is important for everyone. Um, but if we are, you know, either struggling because we're very different from our child or struggling because we're very, this, you know, very much the same as our child, I think, you know, having compassion and recognizing um, that all of those skills have their place. So, you know, my mom, for example, could have looked back and said, oh, if only I had, you know, always had a perfectly clean house and gotten at my kids' places on time all the time. And, you know, but actually the loose environment <laughs> that I grew up in made me the perfect mom to eight boys. <laughs> because... Right. Yes. I think you can take, you know, pros and cons um, regarding every situation. But I think what you said is having some compassion, um, but I think also just offering grace for all, not only our child, but for ourselves, right? Yes. That, yes. you know, maybe we're a little bit more orderly and maybe strict, or maybe we're a little bit more go with the flow. But I think that either way, we need to be compassionate with ourselves uh, as yes. well. Um, and that as long as we're working towards having trying to strive towards, and I use the word strive because I don't think we can always show up perfectly every day that I just don't believe that that's possible. Um, but that when we have grace for ourselves of, you know what, let me reset right now. Let's try this again. I actually had that happen on Friday. My daughter and I, we'd been doing really well and she had to be somewhere and she had all of these things she needed to get done. And I think my own anxiety was kind of starting to rise a little bit of knowing that she had so much to do to get out the door. And um, it wasn't going super well. And I, I finally just stepped back and I took a breath and I went up to her room and I said, I'm sorry, we're going to skip out on these things. They're not important. Let's focus on these. And like the entire environment just shifted. And it was, you were just feeling like, kind of like you said, mismatch. And I almost think that sometimes you you mentioned like school or home, but like even certain situations can be mismatched and that we can work to just change the way certain situations are so that maybe they're more matched for success of both the parent and the child. Right. And if we can just like very openly acknowledge, oh, is this a matched environment or is this a mismatched environment? And just have that awareness that we don't have to feel this like, um, undefined attention like why does this yeah. seem hard to be here or you know and maybe everything's pretty matched in your own home but when your mother-in-law comes you know she instantly gets a headache or you know um and and so it's not like we have to cut all those things out of our lives but um that we need to recognize um what is the state is it a matched environment is it a mismatched environment and how can we balance the two so we're still building skills but so we're also just having time to rest you know and just like feeling perfectly comfortable as we are um and it's interesting you brought up the word striving because um i have a quote that i would like to read that's about striving and i think the idea of striving is good but sometimes we overstrive and we we focus a little too much on this chasing of something that is outside of ourselves and outside of our reality. And so at the end, I will share that idea. Um, so one other thing I'd like to share about this concept of, you know, what we as parents can do. So the first thing being really working on ourselves, developing that grounded, loving presence, 
The second thing, um, acknowledging and balancing matched versus mismatched environments. And then the third thing is really fiercely advocating for our kids. Um, and I say fierce, not like, you know, in a nasty way. I don't mean <laughs> nasty. I just mean <laughs> with conviction and not letting anybody, not letting anybody change our story that our child is wonderful, um, has beautiful gifts, has beautiful potential. Um, not even letting their, you know, moment to moment struggles convince us otherwise, not letting teachers who are annoyed with them convince us otherwise, not letting, you know, um, shaking heads, shaking fingers, um, can, you know, convince us otherwise, because we need always to hold on to this vision of our kids and their greatness and their potential. And we are the advocates. So I, I remember one time being in a school meeting where one of my sons was getting, you know, kind of called out for being disruptive and they had brought several teachers together and, and I wish I had prepared myself and known better, but basically we sat there and heard teacher after teacher talk about how problematic, you know, my child was. And there was one teacher who talked about his gifts. And, and after that time, I, I came across um, uh, a post that another mother had given, how she said, whenever there's a, a school meeting for her child, she has pr a prepared statement to read about, <laughs> I want to share with you these wonderful things about my child. because. Sometimes it can get so flipped and so um, narrowly focused on the problem and everything else is forgotten. And, and to have our kids hear ever, like this whole panel of critics telling them why they're a problem. Um, yes, problems need to be addressed, but we need to be prepared to stand up and say, I want you to see the bigger picture and um, I will not let anyone take that away from me. No, I think that's amazing. Um, as you were talking, I kind of had some thoughts of like my, you know, journey as a parent. And when my daughter was in first grade, they asked, what are your daughter's strengths or what are your child's strengths or, you know, amazing characteristics. And I wouldn't say that I followed your advice at that point in time because I was really struggling. It was hard for me because there was so much negative coming into me as a parent of what she was doing or wasn't doing um, that it was actually really hard for me at that point in time to be able to step back and say, here are all of her amazing qualities and hear how she will be an amazing contributor to your classroom and to the learning environment. And so I have that time where I was really struggling as a parent and being able to stand up for her and figuring out what it should look like for her in the classroom. And now when we go to like an IEP meeting or things like that, um, I love how at least her school has done it. They start by asking, what are Emily? They'll say, Emily, what are your best strengths and characteristics that you love about yourself and mom and dad, what are the things that you 
see that Emily has to offer. And I love that we start out that way um, rather than how I felt back when she was in first grade. And I think that when you focus on those things, it allows you to have a more positive mindset and that you're looking for the good rather than looking for the bad and that you can focus on those things and say, well, how can we use your strengths to accomplish this rather than saying, well, you don't fit in this box of what maybe traditional school looks like. So therefore you're not going to be successful. And so I just love how our journey as our family has gone of where we weren't quite aligned with what you were saying and as time has gone on have become more aligned with it. And I think that Emily is a greater participant in her life as we have shifted that focus and being able to recognize how she can make a greater impact in the classroom or whatever it is that she's working on or doing. And one of my favorite books is um, in the ADHD space is The Gift of ADHD by Dr. Laura Hannes Webb. And when I found this book, I resonated so much with it because it was the first time that there was this celebration of, you know, yes, there are certain things that can be difficult or problematic with ADHD, but look at the gifts. Like every, um, you know, quote unquote, um, negative quality like you know, one of the, the um, characteristics or indicators of ADHD is like, you know, acts as if they're run by a motor. Um, well, wow, who wants more energy? You know what I mean? Like, right? I be the perfect person to rally everyone up and get people going. And, and I definitely saw that with my kids that had more ADHD tendencies that they have so many beautiful gifts. And sometimes as a parent, we have to do a little bit of inner work to reconnect with those things and kind of just flip our perspective and say, okay, this is really hard. How is this gonna be an amazing quality when they're 20? <laughs> you know, or, or how can it be an amazing quality now to help us solve this problem? So, um, you know, we always see what we're looking for. You know, our brain is like a Google search and if we're typing in, you know, Chinese restaurants in St. George, Utah, um, we will find Chinese restaurants in St. George, Utah, if there are any, you know, <laughs> um, you know, we won't find a laundromat. So if we're looking for the good, we will find the good. And even if at first, you know, our search result <laughs> in our mind only pulls up a few things, that's where we begin. And we focus on the good and just build our kids up and build our own kind of rebuild our own frame because so many of us not only have our kids deflated in these mismatched environments but we've deflated and we suddenly feel like you know why is it so easy for everyone else and and suddenly we're criticizing ourselves but you know what it's easier to be a parent of somebody who sits quietly in colors but yeah. that is not our experience. <laughs> and, and so, so I have that child too, right? So I've got a, a little bit of an experience with both, but like what you were saying is, is that I also think that when we are looking for the good and we can find, maybe even we start with just one quality or one characteristic, and we can see how that is a positive piece in whatever they're trying to do, we start to find more, but I think we're also able to bring that awareness to our child because um, I 
read a quote recently and um, it talked about the number of negative messages that a child with ADHD receives by the time they're 12. Um, and unfortunately I didn't uh, bring the quote so I'm not able to recognize um, the doctor and the author who wrote that, but it was very um, impactful to me that um, to know that and to say, well, if they're receiving so many negative messages, they probably don't think that they can show up and do these things as well. And so as a parent, being able to be their cheerleader and be able to show them and say, hey, look what you just did because you are really good at these things. And that, look, you found a different way of accomplishing that. I think that's probably, at least with my experience with my daughter, is she blows me away all the time with how she comes up with a way of accomplishing something. Mm -hmm. uh, just the other day, um, we're, you know, we were staying at an Airbnb and they were doing some schoolwork and the table wasn't conducive to the mouse wanting to communicate with the with the laptop and she went and found a coffee filter and she put it down on the table and it worked and I never would have thought of getting you know a, a coffee filter and using that to help be successful in that way but she does those things all of the time where she finds something that is so completely different that than the way that I would think about solving it. Um, and I love watching her excel in those ways. And I'm just always so proud of her um, and watching that. And so it's just, I think also really important that while as parents, we recognize it, that we also communicate that to our kids because I think that they need to hear it probably more so than anybody else that they are amazing in the way that they look at things. And that when you're telling the story about the coffee filter, it reminds me of a few years ago when um, I was buying a used car and I felt some pressure to hurry and make a decision about it because I had missed a few opportunities of used cars that were being sold in my community because I waited too long or took too long to decide. And so my husband and I went to look at this car and we're like, you know what? It's a reasonable price. It runs. We're going to get it. And then we brought it home and we were like, hey, kids, we got this car. Um, and they immediately climbed in, touched everything, wiggled everything. And they're like, mom, do you realize this is loose? Do you realize this button doesn't work? Do you realize you know, this um, side view mirror? It was actually like screwed on with screws. And we were like, no, we didn't. No, we did not realize that. And there is something amazing about the curiosity and the, yes. the desire to touch everything, have hands on everything. You know, of course, people need to learn the boundaries that are socially acceptable. And, you know, um, it's funny, sometimes parents come into my office with their child with ADHD and they're like, you know, the kids are trying to go through my closet and trying to, you know, <laughs> go through my boxes and, and the parents are so embarrassed and, and I'm like, I, I get this, you know, I understand. But of course I then, you know, redirect the kids and say, okay, please ask before you touch. And, you know, so trying to teach those skills, but um, there's something wonderful about that energy, that curiosity. Yes, um, Emily, um, her curiosity has always been around like space and also with um, recycling and picking up trash and all of these different things. And so she's always talking about things like that, about, well, what if we had this like huge spider web up in space to collect the space trash and bring it in and recycle it? Or, 
you know, we were walking on the beach recently and she's picking up all the trash as we're going along that she's finding it. Or she's asking like, why can't Tesla's cars just recharge itself because the tires are turning and it should be creating like this energy for it to like charge itself. And I'm just like, I have no idea. Like my brain doesn't work that way. I don't think that way, but as a parent, I owe, even though I don't have an interest in those things, I think that we can talk to them about it and gain an interest in it, listen to what they say and um, be able to say, well, why do you think it should work that way? Teach me, right? And because I think a lot of times also as parents, we think that we have to have all of the answers and we really don't. And a lot of times, and especially with my daughter, she teaches me so many things just about from being a parent, like how to, to work with her, but also just because of the interest that she has and that she has so many different things that she ventures out into, which really makes it kind of interesting and have an ability to like enjoy what, you know, our day to day, rather than being so focused on, um, you know, kind of what you were talking about earlier, so focused on making sure we're accomplishing these different tasks or that you're being successful or things like that. So um, for those families that are feeling maybe that overwhelm of all this excitement of these other things that maybe don't feel productive or that they're not um, maybe showing up the way that they think they should at first. I'm hopefully that they'll learn over time that there's different ways to be able to accomplish that. But these parents that are feeling this overwhelm and anxiety regarding their kids and this additional load of a child with ADHD, what is your best advice for them by feeling stressed and unsure how to handle all of these situations? And maybe even potentially with a child that is currently fighting back or is maybe having emotional outbursts of trying to meet the world in regards to like schoolwork or chores or other things like that. Mm-hmm. Well, um, a few things come to mind when you ask that question. Um, first of all, you know, I like the model of the iceberg that a behavioral issue, you know, uh, a certain type of acting out is always just the tip that you can see and there's always something beneath and to try to understand like get a really just wrap your heart around the whole message that is being sent by that behavior. Um, I really love the resource The Explosive Child by Dr. Ross Green and he talks about how you know basically every behavioral problem is a missing skill or an unsolved problem um, and then he provides some tools to just really hone in on what that is and sometimes it's actually a little thing it's not a big thing and he also guides parents to just choose one to work on at a time because sometimes it can feel so daunting to be like i have to solve all my kids behavioral problems right now and we start projecting into the future and like assuming like oh my goodness my child is gonna like end up in jail my child you know, are they going to remember to change their underwear when they go to college like you know um we start being just making these ridiculous projections but just to break things down into little pieces of solving one problem and um so in our minds sometimes the problem can we can get more global in our um view of what the problem is like my child just won't do their homework they hate school but wait a minute if we stop like do they really hate school 
Oh, maybe it's just, okay, maybe it's just math. Oh, okay, maybe it's just multiplication. Oh, maybe they need to understand multiplication better, you know? Um, so if we can hone down and, you know, do the detective work to really find out what, you know, the primary problem is, or just maybe there are lots of primary problems, but, you know, <laughs> choose one, <laughs> choose one, because they're probably smaller problems than you think. Um, and you have a problem, you find an intervention, you see a lacking skill, you teach the skill, and it takes practice. But um, being able to be patient with that process and just recognize you're on your own journey. It doesn't matter what your neighbors think, what your in-laws think, what, you know, what your your kid's teacher thinks, what the, their soccer coach thinks. It's like your job is to be the parent who's there providing that vision of who they are and who they can be and being that grounded, loving presence for them. Um, um, one other thing I would say is, you know, one big thing I do is teaching emotional regulation skills. And um, that really is a component of emotional intelligence, which is very important for a child's future success and happiness. You know, no matter how much we get them into the right camps, get them into, you know, the, the best schools that have the best, you know, teachers and mentors and um, extracurriculars, they need emotional intelligence. And so learning about how to have self-awareness, um, self-regulation, to develop their ability for empathy and develop the social skills, those are the four components of emotional regulation and, and um, emotional intelligence. Excuse me. Um, so one thing though, one challenge parents have, you know, they say, well, yeah, you know, these people have taught us that breathing is good. Like we should use breathing or we should, you know, use these cognitive behavioral therapy things about, you know, analyzing our thinking and, but they have never gotten the, the guidance of when to apply what, because, um, and I really like, the concept of zones of regulation that you know sometimes they're in this red zone of like they're totally like um you know their amygdala is like on fire and they are in pure fight flight freeze and that's not a time to analyze thoughts and get really right. you know ha have a big conversation um that's more of a, t a time for a rescue tactic and so there are different tools that work at different times and in different zones of, uh, you know, different emotional states. So I'm just getting more education about that. And, and that's something I talk about in my resilience school. Um, so basically, um, two great things to research and look up are that book, The Explosive Child by Ross Green and looking up the idea of zones of regulation. Awesome. Those are great. I love those and things that um, we've actually applied ourselves and have found amazing success from. Um, I'll share really quick something that happened for us just a, you know, a few weeks ago that was just like that. Our daughter was um, writing an essay to win a trip to Washington, D.C. with her school, and she had been working on it for a few hours, um, and I kept checking in on her, and I just could tell that things weren't going well for her. She kept saying things were going well, but I just knew it wasn't progressing the way she had wanted. And so I finally said, so how's it going, Em? And she jumped up and she's like, I'm just gonna quit. I'm, I'm just gonna stop. And I'm like, 
whoa, whoa, wait, why, why are we quitting, right? We have to write five paragraphs, this, you've got this. And so as we started kind of talking a little bit, I found out that what she was saying was, is this is too hard. Um, I don't know where to start. Um, um, I'm feeling lost. I'm feeling overwhelmed or anxious. And she didn't quite say those words, but I could tell by her emotional outburst that that's where she was. And that if I had shown up, you know, maybe being in dysregulated myself, that it would have probably um, <laughs> escalated to a point where, you know, maybe she would have stomped off or I would have stomped off and saying, you know, why can't you just work on this? And instead, because I was able to recognize where she was and we were able to de-escalate it. She was able to, after, you know, kind of walking through, here's some steps that we could take. And she was successful in writing her paragraph or her several paragraphs and feeling really good about herself and what she had presented. And so the um, zones of regulation also apply to you as a parent of yes. being able to make sure that you can regulate your emotions as well and how you show up and when your child is maybe not regulating themselves mm -hmm. definitely all right one last question for you and that's with parents and families in general being just so busy and trying to apply these tactics and be able to create an environment that is best i hear a lot of times that well, we're just so busy, I'm not able to do this or this. Um, what are your suggestions to a parent of being able to simplify and be able to create an environment where you can have joy in your day-to-day -day and um, in, in accomplishing tasks at the same time? Well, you know, of course we all want to be productive. We want our kids to excel. We want to, you know, um, have them experience success and excellence and we don't have to let go of any of those things um, but it's all in our focus and our ability to pause and that we stop to savor and i recently saw this quote and i really liked it and um and even though you know i am someone i care about hard work and developing excellence and things like that but this quote really spoke to me and it's from William Martin and he says, do not ask your children to strive for extraordinary lives. Such striving may seem admirable, but it is the way of foolishness. Help them instead find the wonder and the marvel of an ordinary life. Show them the joy of tasting tomatoes, apples and pears. Show them how to cry when pets and people die. Show them the infinite pleasure in the touch of a hand and make the ordinary come alive for them. The extraordinary will take care of itself. Oh, that's a beautiful quote. I love that. So just focusing on, you know, not being in such a frenzy and um, that you can't pause and just enjoy, enjoy things and um, to connect with the present in a meaningful way. Um, so I think our kids um, are really good at that as well, of being able to live right now in this moment. And I think that's one of those things where we can really learn from them of how to be present right now. Um, and especially with those with ADHD, they live in right now, right? Um, and so they are especially really good at teaching us that. And so um, I completely agree with you that um, as I have 
been able to remove like the expectations of that I have set or that I thought the world had set in my mind for my my children or myself or us as a family um, and be able to say, well, what is it that is best for us? And for our family, we have a quieter family. We um, aren't on the go as much. It kind of naturally happened that way because Emily would be, um, would have some sensory overload if we went and did a lot or different things, but um, it's actually really calming and nice for our family to have that quiet time. And then also, um, as I've learned to be better present in the moment and watching her and learning from her, so. Thank you. Um, well, Dr. Wild, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, where can our viewers or listeners find you on social media and other places? So um, probably the best website to go to is drmarywild.com. That's wild with an E. Um, and there is kind of a a clearinghouse to many of the resources I offer. And then also if you connect with me on social media, then you'll be in the loop for the different resources that I continue to offer. I have some um, great things coming up the pipeline. So um, I think Heather's gonna put those things in the show notes. Um, also a link to my um, TEDx talk about grounded loving presence, just to get a sense for that as well. For sure, we'll definitely include those so that everybody can find you and learn more from you. Um, again, thank you so much for teaching us some other ways to win with ADHD. This episode of Winning with ADHD has just ended, but your journey towards helping your ADHD teen overcome executive functioning challenges continues. Head on over to disruptadhd.com slash learn more for more resources. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. Thank, thank you, you for, for listening. listening.